It was supposed to be one of the strongest position groups on the roster. Did Jets wide receivers live up to expectations in 2021? And what can the Jets do to upgrade the position group to support Zach Wilson better in 2022? We'll talk about all this and more on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Thursday, February 24th, 2022. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you for making this show your first listen every day. Locked On Jets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you like what you see or hear, click the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. If you're watching on YouTube and you like what you see, give this episode a thumbs up. It helps other Jets fans find the channel. Well, today we're going to continue our positional recap series. The other day, I talked about the quarterback position for the Jets in 2021. Now today, I'm going to look at the players Zach Wilson was throwing the ball to. We're going to talk wide receivers. And heading into 2021, this seemed on paper like one of the strongest position groups on the roster. The Jets had what seemed to be five quality players at the position. And some of them did not live up to expectations. One player, Braxton Berrios, who you would not have included among those five, played above expectations this year. So we're going to talk about all of the wide receivers for the Jets, and we'll also talk about what the Jets can do this offseason to upgrade this position group to help Zach Wilson out. Because I think there's no question this is a group that could use an upgrade. It's not a horrible group. It's not the type of group Sam Darnold had. It's not the type of group Geno Smith had. But... It's still a group that needs some work, and in particular, I think they could use kind of a go-to guy, a number one type receiver. But let's look back before we get into that. Let's talk about how the Jets wide receivers performed in 2021. And I'm going to begin with the starters, and I think the first guy we need to talk about is somebody who there was a lot of excitement when the Jets signed him last offseason, and he got pretty much nothing but criticism during the season, and that's Corey Davis. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you this was a great season for Corey Davis because it was not. It was kind of disappointing. I mean, obviously, he missed quite a bit of time, only played nine games. There were some key moments where he did not come up big. He was very inconsistent. There were some, I'm not going to call them drops. There were drops. There were a couple big plays. There was one against Denver where it wasn't technically a drop, but it was a ball he could have caught for the amount of money he's making. You could argue he should have caught it against New England. There were a couple of plays week two that were there to be made that he did not make. Maybe they were not necessarily his fault completely because Zach Wilson may have made a bad read throwing him the ball, but there were still plays he could have made. So Corey Davis had kind of a disappointing first season. That said, I do think that the level of criticism, the degree of criticism which Corey Davis has received is a little bit over the top. If he has this kind of year again next season, then I'll be with you. I'll just be to the point where it's time to move on. But... I don't think he was as bad as people made him out to be. Now, listen, the injuries are unfortunate. They factor in the fact he could only play nine games. That's not a great thing. But if you look at the kind of season he was having, he was on pace if he played 17 games and continued at the rate he was going. He was on pace to have over 900 yards. That's not a horrendous season. 
And I get the feeling when people talk about Corey Davis, they talk, well, he was supposed to be an elite receiver. He was supposed to be a number one kind of guy. No, he really wasn't. You look at the deal the Jets gave him, lots of guaranteed money, but he was outside the top 20 at the wide receiver position for annual value in his contracts. So his salary is not that great. Jets are kind of paying him to be a low-end number one, maybe a high-end number two type receiver. Now, in the absence of a legitimate number one receiver, maybe you were expecting a little bit more out of Davis, but this is not a guy who was paid to be DeAndre Hopkins. This was not a guy who was paid to be Devontae Adams. This was a guy paid to be a good receiver, and maybe he fell a little bit short of those expectations, but I get the feeling people are too down on him. I mean, if you look at some of the other guys who got comparable money in free agency, at least as far as annual value goes, you have Curtis Samuel, you have Will Fuller, you've got Nelson Aguilar. Corey Davis was better than all of those guys this year. And if you look at guys who got more money, the one big contract, the one truly enormous deal that was given out in free agency was Kenny Galladay. And I don't think anybody would trade Corey Davis for Kenny Galladay. So I kind of am at this middle ground with Corey Davis. I'm not going to declare his season a success. And again, if he repeats that kind of season again next year, I'll be first in line to say, let's get rid of Corey Davis. But I do have hope for him. It's not like this season was a total bust. And there were things to build on. And maybe if the Jets add a little bit more talent around him, his failures won't stand up so much. This is a guy who was always kind of inconsistent in Tennessee. And again, we got kind of inconsistency. So I'm willing to give Corey Davis more of a chance, probably more than a lot of people are. Not saying he was great. Not saying I love Corey Davis. I'm not even going to say he was everything we wanted him to be. I think he was a little disappointing, but a little. Not, people talk about him like he's Brashad Perryman. I don't think he was that bad. I think he's earned another chance, and we'll see what he can do going forward in 2022. Now, you want to talk about a player Jets fans are excited about. It's Elijah Moore, and you heard all the reports in training camp how he was lighting it up, then he suffered an injury. I guess I could take the blame for that because I was there the day he got injured. I remember seeing him walk off the field. I was so excited because usually when I go to training camp, it's only for a couple days. So I've been, I was hearing all these reports about how great Elijah Moore was, and then I went to training camp looking forward to seeing him, and then he got hurt, missed all the preseason, kind of began the 2021 season slowly, and then he started to come on. And He battled injuries through the season. He was limited to 11 games, but he ended up leading the Jets with 538 yards in those 11 games and five touchdowns, and that's in spite of him missing all those games. So if he starts putting it together, it was also in spite of him getting off to a pretty slow start. So it kind of felt like things began to click for him. Honestly, when Mike White went into the lineup, it seemed like the connection between him and Zach Wilson just was not there. Maybe that was due in part to him missing that time in training camp in the preseason, although you'd have to wonder why Mike White was so much better with him. Even when Zach Wilson got back, I don't think it was everything you wanted it to be. There were still some miscommunications. I remember one play the second half against the Eagles where it wasn't so much that either of them messed up, it's just they weren't on the same page, the t the timing of his route wasn't syncing with Wilson getting the ball out. So maybe with an offseason of work together, they can improve those things. If there's a receiver on this roster who has the chance to develop a number into a number one type of guy who can organically grow into being a go-to guy, it's clearly Elijah Moore. He has game-breaking speed. We saw that in the game against Miami with Joe Flacco where he hit Moore on a, on a long touchdown pass. It was kind of Moore's breakout game. You could see it was kind of building towards something ever since Mike White got into the lineup. And that was the game where he really took over. I was really excited when the Jets got him. I think that there were lots of hopes for him when he got off to that slow start to the season. There was lots of frustration. 
there were some people wondering, well, you know, he's not that big, so people are saying, well, he should go into the slot. There was lots of complaining about that. After Elijah Moore began to come on around midseason, people weren't saying so much about that he should go into the slot. People were kind of good with him on the outside. I think this is clearly a guy who's a part of the building blocks going forward. And he also plays, I think, like, when I think about the Jets' wide receiver position, I think of this role, I don't know how, what you'd call it, maybe it's a, like a running receiver or a receiver back, but they essentially put him into motion and they try and manufacture touches in space, whether they're just throwing it out to him on a screen, getting him the ball on a run, whether it's a jet sweep. They just try and figure out ways to get him the ball. And that's the role that Moore kind of played. And there, I, I almost could pick up that there was a backup for his role. And we'll talk about that in the second segment where I talk about some of the backups at wide receiver for the Jets. But I think there's a lot to be excited about with Elijah Moore. How good is he going to be? I mean, I don't know. I, I think he's got the potential to be a go-to guy in this offense. I don't think he necessarily needs to be a go-to guy for this to be a successful draft pick. I think that he's on a very good track, though. And around midseason, again, you could really begin to see him break out. He was really starting to put the pieces together. So I think you have to be very excited about what you see out of Elijah Moore. Now, I don't think there's any question this was kind of a disappointing season for Jamison Crowder. In fact, if you look at his statistics through his career, it was probably his least productive season. Although, let me tell you something you probably did not know. Jamison Crowder, despite playing only 12 games, so he missed five, he led the team in receptions. He actually was the Jets' leading receiver, 51 catches. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I mean, based on the season Crowder was having, I didn't think it was that great, but he still was moderate, moderately productive. He had 447 yards, averaged 37 yards per game while he was in there, even in the least productive year of his career where he only had 447 yards. He was limited due to injuries. It still wasn't a horrible, horrible year for Crowder. It wasn't a great year, but again, it was the worst of his career, but it wasn't really a horrific year for Crowder. He still was pretty productive when he was in the lineup. And this, the other thing I'm going to say for Crowder is, and this is something that I think people kind of missed. He played week 18 at Buffalo and it wasn't clear he was healthy. He was coming back from injuries. He knew he was about to hit free agency. And he went out there and played. And he may not have been healthy. He had to leave the game with an injury. But I think that's one of those things that kind of flew under the radar. you got to respect Jamison Crowder. This was a guy who had his salary cut in the offseason. And he still decided to suit up for that last game against Buffalo where the Jets had nothing on the line. There was really nothing to be gained. And he still played hard for the team. And he had to leave that game due to an injury. I don't know, you know, you don't know whether he was healthy or not in that game, but you gotta have a lot of respect for this guy. This is again very easy for a guy whose salary was cut by the team, about to hit free agency, teams playing a meaningless game, there's nothing to be gained from this. And he still went out there and played hard for the team. So I have a lot of respect for Jamison Crowder. Over the last year, I've really come to have a newfound appreciation for what Jamison Crowder brings to the table. I think really solid receiver. I think there's no question he was a successful free agent signing for the Jets, and there have not been many of those in recent years. No matter what happens with Jamison Crowder going forward, I think you have to have a lot of respect for him. So those are the guys who I would call the starting receivers for the Jets, but there were plenty of other Jets receivers who had an impact in 2021 or maybe didn't have an impact in one case. And we're going to talk about them ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Thursday show. Today we're talking about the wide receiver position. These are the players Zach Wilson will be throwing the ball to. We hope in the future Zach Wilson leads the Jets to a Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl's over for this year, and that means football's over. However, basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. And from all, from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, you should know that BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. 
Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you again for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. The show is free and available on all platforms. If you like what you see on YouTube, give this episode a thumbs up. It helps other Jets fans find the channel. Today, we are recapping the receiver position for the New York Jets in the year 2021. We've talked about the starters at the position. Now let's talk about some of the backups who ended up playing a role for this team last season. And I think you have to begin with Braxton Berrios, a guy who really impressed me, especially late in the season. He really came along, showed that he's a quality depth player as a backup slot receiver. And when I think about what I want in a backup wide receiver, I want somebody who can go in, play credible football, especially at the slot position, maybe move the chains in a couple of key moments, but I also want him to add a little extra. And that's what Berrios does. He was a first team all pro as a kick returner, had a couple of big runbacks, especially one against Jacksonville that went for a touchdown, a key play in a victory late season, was near the top of the league as far as punt returns go, at least as, as far as average goes. The only question mark I have with him as a punt returner is, does he maybe fair catch a little too frequently? Does he only, and which it's not the end of the world because ultimately out of a punt returner, the most important thing is to not turn it over. It's a, it's important to make sure you secure the catch. So even that's not the end of the world. If maybe he has a few too many fair catches, just a quality player. He's become a fan favorite guy with a lot of speed. And you know, that receiving back role I was talking about with Elijah Moore, he's clearly the backup when Elijah Moore needed a rest and they wanted to get the ball out to a receiver in space off motion, whether it's again, a jet sweep, whether it's a screen, you name it. Berrios was the guy who got that. And when Elijah Moore was hurt late in the season, Berrios kind of took over the primary role in that in that area for the team. So guy with plenty of uses. And that's, again, you, you want backups to have some versatility. You want them to do more than just play like one receiver position. And Berrios kind of does that. And he, he had a, his best year of his career at a really key moment because he's about to hit free agency. And if you're a guy like Braxton Berrios, you may have only one opportunity to cash in. So he's going to make good money somewhere this offseason. Is it going to be the Jets? I don't know. We'll talk about that a little bit later. In in our final segment, we're going to talk about what the Jets can and should do at the receiver position. But Braxton Berrios, very very good depth player. Can he be more? I mean, I I got some skepticism on that. Now, listen, I wasn't even sure he'd be a good backup, so I could be wrong on that. I mean, yeah, I do have to remember he did have under 500 yards from scrimmage this year, and he was the fifth leading receiver as far as yardage goes, but still a very successful season you got to give Berrios a lot of credit for what he did. Again, first team All-Pro on, on the special teams as a kick returner. Just a tremendous season for Braxton Berrios. Then you have Keelan Cole. And Keelan Cole is a guy who's pretty heavily criticized in the fan base. I'm going to say this. He was not worth the money the Jets gave him. Jets gave him over $5 million on a one-year deal. And to me, that was always kind of like insurance. Joe Douglas saw what happened in 2020 when the Jets were running guys out there like Chris Hogan and Lawrence Cager, you know, either a veteran who's well past his prime in Hogan or a guy who's just too young to be able to produce in Cager. I think the Jets just wanted to avoid that. So I think the Jets maybe overpaid Keelan Cole a little bit just to make sure they were running credible professional receivers out there. And I do think Cole was a cut above like a Cager or a Hogan. I'm not saying he was great. He did have some good games though. And if you're talking about like a number four, number five receiver, as much as anything, I'm not expecting consistent performance. I'm expecting, 
I'm expecting somebody who can go out there and occasionally play a really good game. And he had them. He had a couple big plays against Tennessee in the Jets' big upset win in early October. He had a big game week 18 against Buffalo where pretty much nobody else was doing anything on the offensive side of the ball for the Jets. So I think Keelan Cole's actually a decent backup receiver. He's got experience on the inside in the slot. He's got experience on the outside. Was he worth $5 million this year? No, clearly not. And I think the Jets probably knew he wasn't going to be worth that money. I think that was more of kind of an insurance proposition than it was a belief that Keelan Cole was worth that amount of money. They just wanted to make sure Zach Wilson was not throwing to guys who don't belong in the NFL. And unfortunately, they suffered so many injuries at the receiver position that that ended up happening anyway the last three games. But Keelan Cole is the type of guy, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the next segment, you're not going to pay him $5 million again. That's just not something you should do. But a guy who probably, I think, was a little bit better than he got credit for being, probably filled his role a little bit better than people think. I don't want to go too crazy. I don't want to praise Keelan Cole too much, but... I think a guy who maybe got a little bit too much criticism. And we can't talk about the Jets receiver position without talking about another guy. And this is not a guy who received too much criticism. That, and that's Denzel Mims. You want to talk about the pantheon of disappointing Jets seasons. And there are lots of players who have disappointed us through the years. There are few who were as disappointing as Denzel Mims in 2021. Mims is almost following in the time-honored tradition of Jets tight ends, even though he's a wide receiver, because we've seen this in recent years with tight ends, Jason Morrow or Chris Herndon, where there's a kind of promising rookie year that gives you hope that they're going to break out in year two, and they end up looking like they don't even belong in the NFL. Lamaro got hurt his second season, but he failed to make the team year three. Herndon also had kind of an injury plague second season, but then fell apart year three. Uh, Mims's disaster season happened year two. And I'm shocked by how bad he was. I thought maybe people were a little bit too sure of him becoming a great receiver. I heard this time last year people were talking about him being one of the best receivers in the NFL, being a go-to guy, a number one receiver. I thought maybe people were crowning him a little too early. I was not expecting this. I was not expecting this kind of disaster season. And it began in the offseason. You started to hear the rumblings that you know Mims isn't really on, near the top of the depth chart. That he's behind guys you wouldn't expect him to be behind. This time last year, most of us had him penciled into the starting lineup. It would have been a shock for him to not, to not be in the starting lineup. And again, those rumblings continued through training camp where he was working with the second and third teams. You saw it as the season began where he was struggling to get playing time. And by the end of the season, he was a mess. I mean, he was such a mess that he couldn't even get lined up correctly. I mean, there were penalties because he was lined up at the wrong spot. It was unbelievable. It's like the guy forgot how to play. Clearly a guy who just lost all of his confidence through the season. Is it a case where he was just never that good to begin with? Well, and honestly, in all honesty, most cases where you see a situation like Mims, that's what it is, where maybe we overrated him, where we fell in love with the physical ability, but there's more to playing the game than physical ability. Is it a case where he's just not a fit for the system? Maybe. I don't know that I buy that. I think a guy with Mims' skill set, even though even if it's not exactly what the Jets want, even if the Jets want more of a catch-and-run offense, I still think a big guy who can go up and win the ball, win contested catches in theory. He has a fit for any offense. Is it a situation where the personalities just are not a good mix? And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you, you can see it in any field, not just football. You know, your, your office, you see somebody could be a great worker with one boss. Another boss and them just don't connect. They, it just, for whatever reason, it just doesn't work. Their production goes down. It could be that. 
does Mims need to change the scenery? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, my personal theory is that we just overrated him. Until I'm proven wrong on something like that, that's what I'm typically going to believe. But I don't think many of us saw a season like this coming. I don't think many of us saw him catching eight passes for 133 yards and no touchdowns. And if we saw that, we probably figured he'd suffer an injury week one or week two that would cost him his season. Like that, if you told me Mims was going to catch eight balls all season, it was barely going to play, I would have told you he probably was injured most of the season. So just an incredibly disappointing season out of Denzel Mims. I don't know what you can say. It just was not good. And Mims has to take a lot of the grief for that. So that's what happened for the Jets at the wide receiver position in the year 2021. But what do they do going forward? How do you build around Zach Wilson? How do you support this young quarterback as he enters his second season? We'll talk about that ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast on this Thursday. This is the Locked On Jets podcast. Today we are talking about the wide receiver position for the New York Jets. We've talked about how the starters performed. We've talked about how some of the key backups have performed. Now let's talk about what the Jets do going forward. And I guess we can begin with internal housekeeping. You know, you look at Braxton Berrios. He's probably the big name people are focused on this offseason. I think it's going to be tough to keep him, to be honest with you. I think he's going to be looking for starter money. I think there's a team out there that's going to give it to him. I think in a different world, I could justify it for the Jets. If you were dealing with like a more veteran quarterback, if you were dealing with a top-end quarterback, you could live with a Braxton Berrios as your slot receiver. The issue for the Jets is that they're dealing with a young quarterback in Zach Wilson who needs all the help he can get, who really had a rough rookie season. you got to build as strong of a team around him as possible. And on one hand, you could say, well, that means they should keep Berrios because he makes the team stronger. But on the other hand, if you're giving Braxton Berrios starter money, that probably takes you out of the market for other good receivers. And there are going to be a lot of receivers out there who are more talented than Braxton Berrios. And you know, Berrios brings something to the table as far as kick returns go, but kick returns are becoming less and less prominent in the NFL. They really want to eliminate those. And you see them each year. It kind of becomes less and less a part of the game. So I'm always a little bit scared of investing a ton of resources in anybody who derives a ton of his value from kick return. So I would bring Barrios back if he was looking for a reasonable deal for talking an annual salary of maybe $5 million or under. I could justify it. You go higher than that, and I think he's going to get higher than that. He might be tough to bring back. Jefferson Crowder, on the other hand, is kind of an interesting case because I kind of wonder whether things are just over between him and the Jets. I wonder whether after the Jets made him take a big pay cut where the Jets essentially cut his salary in half last year, whether Crowder might be ready to move on. Off the year he had... Are the Jets ready to move on? Do the Jets really want to continue with him? Again, it was a different coaching staff who brought him in. Still, he was the team leader in receptions, which is an amazing stat. And part of that was because people were hurt. But Crowder was also hurt plenty. And I do go back to the Week 18 game where, I mean, I don't think he gets enough credit for playing that game where it would have been very easy for him to sit out. His value is likely pretty low. I mean, you would have to think after this season he'll have to take a fairly cheap one-year contract to prove himself. If you're looking for a depth player, it's interesting because through his career, Berrios has been more of a depth player and Crowder's been a starter. I wonder whether you can get Crowder back as a depth player. Now, again, he may just want a starting job somewhere, but I don't know what his options are going to be. So I'd be intrigued by Crowder if he was able to cheap, willing to take a cheap one-year deal and maybe come back as a depth player. Then again, if he can get a starting job somewhere, he's going to be rebuilt his value by playing as much as possible. So, you know, you look at the situation, it, that 
one might, might be another situation where both sides are heading for a split. I, I would like to see Crowder back, though. I've really come to appreciate what he brings to the table in the last year. And honestly, if Crowder's cheaper than Barrios, I don't think there's much doubt Crowder's a better receiver. I don't think there's much doubt Crowder brings more to the table. So counterintuitive though it might be, I think he would be my bigger target. Now, what do you do with Denzel Mims? I've gone back and forth on Denzel Mims. I mean, I wanted to see last year in training camp, I wanted to see him get a chance through the season. I kind of felt like his time had come and gone. It just, it just wasn't a good fit with him and the coaching staff. Maybe if the Jets had an offer midseason, it was time to trade him. I think we've gotten to a point where his value is probably so low that there's not really any point in giving him up. I mean, I, this is just my guess. I could be wrong. I feel like with Mims, you're probably looking at maybe a conditional late-round pick. And if that's all you can get for him, just keep him. I mean, he's got ability. And we know, listen, we know ability alone is not enough. We've seen this over and over with the Jets, whether you want to talk Quinton Copels, whether you want to talk Ja'Kai Polite. Just having ability alone is not enough in the NFL if you're not connecting with the coaching staff, if you're not doing all the things you need to do to prepare. But I just can't teach the things Mims can do. And if there was a better package on the table, and listen, I think that based on the reports, and we don't know what they were offered, based on the reports that the Jets had trade offers last year in the offseason at the deadline, they probably made a mistake not moving him quicker. Because I don't know how much he factors into the future, but I almost feel like at this point, if you're not going to get anything in return, bring Denzel Mims back, give him one more chance. And I'm not even saying he's guaranteed a roster spot. I mean, if he's not good enough, he's not one of your top five, six receivers in training camp, which he might not be, then you move on. Then you maybe look to deal him, even if it's only for a conditional late round pick. And if not, then maybe you cut him. I, I, I am just so disappointed in Denzel Mims. Another, and I'm not going to go to bat for him. I spent three years going to bat for Chris Herndon. So if Denzel Mims is upset because I'm not going to bat for him, he could thank Chris Herndon because Chris Herndon made me look ridiculous for continuing to defend him after years and years of bad play following a promising rookie season. I'm finished defending Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims has to produce before I'm going to stick up for him. But I'm very disappointed in Denzel Mims. So what do you do externally for the Jets? Well, I think right now what you know is that Corey Davis is going to be one starting receiver, and Elijah Moore is going to be another. So the, the, really the question is, who's going to be your third starting receiver? And you could go back to what you had. You could bring back Barrios to play the slot. You could bring back Crowder to play the slot. I think if you're the Jets, you have to think big. And it, a lot of this goes back to the struggle Zach Wilson had as a rookie. It was a disappointing rookie season. It wasn't the rookie season we were looking for. And that means if you're going to continue with Zach Wilson, you got to load this thing up. you got to put as much talent around him as possible. And the thing about this offseason is... Yes, the Jets do have four top 40 picks, so it could be a draft pick. You know, it could be a Garrett Wilson. It could be a Traylon Burks, you know, especially if the Jets trade down from 10. I think that the, there are lots of guys. Drake London out of USC. There are lots of different options if you want to go receiver in the first round. But there also could be a fairly robust trade market, especially involving guys who profile as number one receivers. There are rumors that Dallas may need to deal Amari Cooper to fit their salary structure the way they want it to. There are rumors about Calvin Ridley in Atlanta. You know, there's some question marks surrounding him, but very talented receiver. Nobody's questioning the talent there. There are rumors about, I mean, I don't know that I want Michael Thomas out of New Orleans, but there are rumors about him. There are even some rumblings. Maybe DK Metcalf could be on the move in Seattle. There are lots of different guys who are being floated. Guys who are really number one type receivers, guys who are go-to guys. And, you know, maybe 
you get somebody and you have to stick them outside and maybe that means Moore or Davis has to have to play the slot a little bit more frequently than they did in the past. But, you know, I think about this. You ought to get a legitimate number one receiver and get top, four top 40 picks. So the Jets can do whatever they want as far as trades go. The Jets can probably get any player they want who's on the trade market because they're still going to have a surplus of draft capital. This is the year to trade if you're the Jets. And I like the idea of getting an experienced receiver because you've got a young quarterback. So you don't want to have to have your quarterback. You, know, you saw the issues with Denzel Mims where he couldn't get lined up correctly. Zach Wilson's worrying about himself. Zach Wilson's trying to figure it out right now. So he's not going to be able to like correct Denzel Mims when he lines up wrong. you got to get a veteran in there. And you have a young, talented young guy. So you want to find the right balance of youth and experience. you got a talented young guy in Elijah Moore. But I think you want to put another veteran around Zach Wilson, somebody who knows what he's doing, somebody who knows the hot route to run when there's a blitz. So what Zach Wilson doesn't need to worry about making sure his receivers. So Zach Wilson can worry about himself, not, not worry about whether his receiver is going to be in the right place. So I, to me, you got to make a move. It's got to be for like a number one type receiver. That's what I want to see in here next year. I, I want to see the Jets really focus on building around Zach Wilson, giving him everything he needs. So make a move. And listen, maybe it's maybe it's both. Maybe you trade somebody and you draft somebody. Because if you draft somebody, they're under low pressure this year. They can come along at their own pace. And then next year they can replace Corey Davis because Corey Davis can be cut after the season. So Jets have to vote. If the Jets don't bring in another receiver this offseason, to me it's a failure. They have to bring in a, a receiver with number one potential. That's one of the non-negotiables for me this offseason. That's something they absolutely have to do to help Zach Wilson out. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a thumbs up. It helps out the channel quite a bit. Hope you have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week.